This episode was previously released, but we think you'll enjoy listening again or hearing it for the first time. We will be back in September with all new episodes with some new guests and some of our friends from past episodes will be back to talk to us again. We are so grateful for all of the amazing people who have joined us on the show in the past two years. The conversations have been educational, insightful, vulnerable, and heartwarming. We appreciate each and every one of them for agreeing to share their time and their voice with us and with you. As always, we would appreciate it if you would follow, rate, and review the podcast so more people can find us. Even better, share your favorite episode with a friend. If you're a fan of the podcast, please become a patron through Patreon. You'll be able to view our weekly updates on video, have early access to episodes, and who knows what other fun benefits we might add for our patrons in the future. Listener support means that we can continue to make this show. If you have a business or know of a business who would like to advertise on the show, please get in touch. While Barnyard Language continues to be a labor of love, we would love to have the funds to cover our costs and expand the community. Welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome back to another episode of Barnyard Language. We're happy that you're joining us again here today. We usually start out by checking in with each other. Katie, what's the news? What's happening? I feel like I'm going to jinx it, but we are potentially close to being done with harvest. I will not name how close, but I will say that we are close. It does seem quick, primarily because we grow a lot of hay. So we've been harvesting since May. Sure, um, yeah. We also grow oats, which is harvested quite a bit earlier in the summer. This year, at least, we have not grown as much corn, which is economically, I don't even know what corn prices are at right now. Economically, it's probably totally fine that we're not growing that much corn, but it does make harvest use, go faster. Right? Yeah, we combine some that goes to the mill for sale, but most of it goes into bins to feed cows and sheep, along with the the oats. So we grind ear corn and oats for feed with minerals and such. Um, Delicious. We're, yeah. Got what a couple is the more... Halloween costume report? Did you get the thing made? If anybody is interested in a four-year-old boy with a bad vocabulary and occasionally bad attitude who is sometimes very fucking cute but who will not <laughs> oh. wear that combine costume that his mommy oh, spent no. days in a embarrassing amount of money and effort creating for him he wore it for about a block and a half and then he realized that all the other kids were running from house to house and he couldn't run we're not because he was by a box wearing this huge ass combine cost- costume turned out awesome now i thought I don't know. We um, share some pictures. Maybe we could sell it or auction it off or someone's child will appreciate this thing. I bet I could even fold it flat for shipping a relatively flat. The The other issue was that I had some difficulties attaching the front wheels, getting them to clear the header. And so they were 
he would have really enjoyed the costume had he been allowed to take it off and drive it, which would have been fine if the front wheels had been more formally secured. But right. they didn't it was turn like his oh they, they um, did turn home. oh yeah yeah um but it was largely through the power of hot glue and prayer that they were they're on axles but the yeah it's very impressive i'm impressed with myself i'm not sure that he was also the unload auger did not swing out or actually unload anything which he was very oh upset about gosh i mean he I had put very a fucking... high standards for this costume yeah yeah. The girl child, on the other hand, was totally stoked about her $20 Amazon mermaid costume. Was she still all the things? Because she was, what was it? Mermaid? She was going to be a unicorn. mermaid unicorn princess or Fairy? something. Yeah, I don't know. She just went as a mermaid. She seemed happy. Oh. So now we have a spare unicorn oh, costume one. for another day, which is good. We had parent-teacher conferences this week. Neither of them is getting expelled yet, so that's good. Apparently, the boy child likes to just yell for his teacher, and he only uses her last name, which I feel a little bit bad about because I think it's hilarious. But she's been a preschool teacher for a lot of years, so she is. It would take a lot more than that to to concern. Probably her. not the worst thing she's been called. No, I'm sure it's not. Other than that, we're actually starting to look at the lambing calendar because it always comes sooner than we think it will. I think we're at the middle to end of March, but I'm looking at you know, the awesome part of having a flexible work schedule is that I can do things like taking a couple days off before lambing starts to make sure that we're ready or mm -hmm. potentially being able to desk. What? feed a lamb under your desk. Yeah. I could just, actually, I could just take my laptop out to the lambing barn if I've got enough internets and could just um, run the cable for the Starlink the other direction out the window and go over to lambing don't start barn. don't start that i'm going to be then that person have, you know then people are going to have that expectation not at work but in your family that oh well, yeah. if you can work from the barn then you can work from the barn yeah anyway. jim's great grandpa when they built this farm had hogs in the building that we use for lambs and i don't think it's a coincidence that he had 12 kids and that he also installed a wood stove in the hog barn and would sleep out there during farrowing to sure. make sure the pigs were okay. Yeah, because there were 12 kids in the house and it was quieter <laughs> out there with the whole shitload of pigs than it was in the house. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. He apparently used to cook them breakfast too. The pigs, not the children. Oh, I was going to so, say, cook, cook, no, not for the 12 kids. Not for the children. No. Anyway, so that's pretty much all the news that's fit to print here. What have you got, Arlene? It's a bit smelly out today. They started spreading, well, stirring the pit two days ago and spreading yesterday. So they were... I saw lights late into the night last night, and they're already out hauling more right now. So it's a bit Quick spooky. question. Do Canadians yell smells like money when they smell shit, or is that just a Midwestern Iowa thing? At least some people do. Um, it's not one of my common phrases, but I picked it up from you. So thank you for that. You're welcome. I came out of parent-teacher conferences the other night, and they were spreading somebody's hog lagoon on the field directly behind the elementary school. And it That's was... Smells like money. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that feels good to get that job done. And people this week are getting prepared for the Royal Winter Fair. So we have a variety of different schedules going on because between ourselves and our daughter and our staff who are either 4-H members or 4-H parents, there are a lot of people trying to figure out how 
we're all going to get to Toronto on different days. So there's been a lot of planning and some training and my mom is actually coming here to help me milk cows for a couple of days because I'm not used to doing it by myself and everybody else is leaving me. And then later on in the week, my mother-in-law is going to be a champ and she's going to look after some kids so I can go for a couple of days. So it's going to be an interesting week. So if anyone's in Toronto at the Royal Winter Fair, I look forward to maybe connecting with you there. Halloween happened at our house too. And we only have two trick-or-treaters out of four. And it is so much easier now because we don't have to worry about car seats. They can buckle themselves. I just think back to the years because we do country trick-or-treating. We just go to people's houses that we know and we drive around. So maybe only hit a dozen, 15 houses total over the course of the night. But when there used to be all four of them and lots of car seats and lots of buckling, it was a lot longer. It was a very long process. And I think this year we got it done in about an hour and we could have hit a few more houses, but they were both like, yeah, we're good. So it was like, fine, let's go home then. So yeah, it's a lot easier these days. Arlene, I like your tattoo there too. Took me a second to realize that it was not actually. I I still have a Halloween tattoo of a spider on the back of my hand. Yeah, that Katie can see. Wow. Arlene's joined a biker gang or some shit. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah, hand tattoos. I know with country trick-or-treating around here, at least ridiculous shit tends to happen. Have you ever had any really bizarre happenings? Somehow it seems like going to different people's farms in the dark tends to be more fraught than walking from house to house in town. Not too bad. There was one year we went to a neighbor's house and waited for a skunk to wander by before we went up to their door for sure. And the last couple of years we had some people who we were the only people that they got for trick-or-treating and they knew they were going to be away on Halloween night. So they would pre-deliver and drop the stuff off at our house in the days before Halloween. So that made it much more efficient because then we could cut a few houses off the list and still get the stuff. That worked out pretty well. But yeah, I don't think we've ever had to like put anyone's animals in or anything like that. It's more the, either the kids think they're going to take off their shoes and make themselves welcome and just walk into the house or we're trying to have a visit and they're already back in the vehicle. Okay, let's go. So we were discussing that maybe when our kids are too old to trick or treat, that we'll just dress up and go visit the neighbors on Halloween because it's a good chance to go visit a bunch of people. That's a great idea. Yeah. And I survived the haunted house. I was partially wrapped around my seven, seven year olds, but I don't think he minded. I think he was a little bit scared too. So we helped each other through it. We did it. It was actually very well done. It was, I don't really like haunted houses, like I said last week, but it was nicely done. It was at a little local museum with lots of volunteer actors. We went through one room and someone was like, hey, I know you guys. <laughs> after they had scared us and they told us who they were from behind their masks. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a bonding experience, let's say. And then the other fall thing I've been doing this past week is freezing a bunch of pumpkin because that's one thing that we actually use a lot of in our house because my kid's favorite muffin recipe is a pumpkin chocolate chip muffin. And so I get a whole bunch of pie pumpkins from my sister-in-law who runs a market garden. So that's been one of my, somewhat messy jobs this week is roasting a whole bunch of pumpkin and then freezing it up. So that was my other adventure. I'm feeling pretty proud. I uh, somehow impulse bought, we get a CSA share in the summer and they also do an online store where you can buy extra vegetables and that. Mm -hmm. And somehow this week 
I wasn't drunk or anything, so I don't know what I was doing. I impulse bought 10 pounds of carrots and 12 pounds of beets. Okay. I don't know. And 20 pounds of potatoes. Yeah, I was just having a real... Yeah, like, I think it's too many generations of Irish immigrants, like, have to hoard our root vegetables for the winter. But (laughs) I had a... Straw in the basement. No, I had a brainwave. I make a lot of sheet pan dinners, roasted vegetables and sausage and that, because you can just dump it on a pan people can pick out the things they like or they don't like and yeah they're very... kind of combined but not like casserole combined yeah and it's something different than the crock pot which is our mainstay but it occurred to me that i could prep these sheet pan dinners and freeze them and then Ooh, just you go thaw them enough to get them onto the sheet pan and bake them so now i have somewhere for my 40 pounds root vegetables to go which is awesome because I fucking love beets. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I love them and I will eat them. I enjoy them too. I don't enjoy preparing them, but I suppose, yeah, getting some prepped and put away would definitely take that messy purple hand step out of the process. Yeah. And no apologies at all for the cat who just came through the background. I don't know if I mentioned it in last week's episode, but my old cat was very sick and he has, I honestly thought we were going to have to put him down last Friday and He's pretty much back to his noisy, pain-in-the-ass self. self. Turns out one of the neighbors whose house he frequents had rat poison out in her goat barn, and we're fairly certain that's what he got into. So they have kindly... uh, Yep, yep. They have kindly offered to find some other way to deal with the rats in her goat barn, which I really appreciate. Or at least make the rat poison inaccessible for cats. Yeah. But not rats. All right, let's move on to our guest for today. We're really excited for you to hear them. All right, so I will go ahead and get started then. Today, we are very excited to be talking to Heather Bell, who's from Michigan and is the parent of eight kiddos and who you will recognize as Mama Bell if you are on any of the socials. So Heather, we talk when we talk to people, we ask each of our interviewees the same question to start out. And this is a way to introduce yourself to our listeners. And we ask, what are you growing? So this for farmers can cover crops and livestock, but also covers families and businesses and lots of other stuff. Heather, let us know, what are you growing? I'm growing kids. <laughs> chickens, cows. We got lots of irons in the fire trying to get our kids their lives started. So we've been kind of, yeah, we have lots of things going on in this house constantly, constantly. I bet. Yeah. So usually since we have lots of farmers listening, we need some of the details, what kinds of chickens and how many. Okay. So we are a small family farm. Uh, we have 4,000 chickens. And I know a lot of people will think, holy cow, that's not, that's a lot of chickens. But trust me, when we went to the international poultry convention, we would go by a booth and we, they'd say how many chickens you have. Cause we were looking for a, a barn in a system and we'd tell them and they'd be like, oh, that's cute <laughs> because they're doing millions of chickens. So we thought we were on top. But then when you go to something like that, you realize you're just really small. But for us, we, we are the biggest poultry farm in the Upper Peninsula. We have 4,000 chickens. We raise them to sell eggs. So we sell eggs throughout our community, the grocery stores, um, local restaurants. We paired up with our university, which was really exciting for us. They buy our eggs exclusively. And we also raise beef cows. We just, we want to be sustaining. We want to, like with the beef cows, we sell beef also. And we just want to give a good product to our community. 
And we just love the farming. My husband grew up on a dairy farm where they milked hundreds to thousands of cows. And so it was in his blood. And I remember when we started dating, his hands always smelled like manure. And I'd say, oh, and he's, I washed them. I swear I washed them. And so I thought to myself, if we get married, I will not be a farmer. Here we are 25 years later and we're doing chickens. We have just property everywhere because it's my husband's blood. We have hundreds and hundreds of acres that he tills and farms and cuts and hays. And that's his thing. It's his getaway in the summer to just go out in this field with my son, Joshua, their pals. And they just go in the field. I take them lunches like his mom used to. And that's what our farm is. Yeah. So what breed of beef cattle are you raising? I don't know much about the beef cattle. My husband would be very disappointed. I can't tell you, but I know we have Long Island bred chickens. So we had to get hens that were, could adjust to the cold and that would still lay even when times got, the weather got treacherous. Did you guys start out with a hobby number of chickens or did you just go all in with 4,000? So how we started was we had just a tiny little barn. We had 12 chickens and two turkeys and then grew. It it does get very addicting when you start like that. Like we used to have goats and we're like enough goats. And we also actually do raise Clydesdale horses. So we have Clydesdale horses and we have a, a baby actually that's due this next spring. So I'm super excited. So we do raise Clydesdale horses. If my husband would kill me if he's like, I can't believe you didn't mention the horses. But anyway, so we did start out with just a dozen chickens and then we raised it to 50, 75 chickens, built another little barn. We called our local co-op and said, Hey, we have too many eggs. Do you want to buy the eggs? They're like, yeah, we would love that. And so then we had that and then we were like, maybe we could do this. So we built another barn and we brought in 200 chickens. And at that time, our kids started coming to our house. So we would all walk into the barn and we the kids hated it. It was time to collect the eggs. We'd collect the eggs. We'd wash the eggs here at the house, which is a really bad idea. But when you don't have facility, I remember we actually had a plumber come and we're like, our drains are all plugged. And I remember coming downstairs and he looked at me and he's, I've never seen so much disgusting. This is the most disgusting. So we thought, okay, it might be time to maybe move it out of the house. So then we built a barn and housed 500 chickens. We had our washing. We actually heated it with a wood stove, which isn't a good idea because two years later it caught on fire and the whole thing burned down, but we were able to salvage the chickens that we were able to get them out by the help of our community. We actually had to make a makeshift barn in our horse barn. So that was quite the treat also. And so then we just said, okay, if we're gonna do this, let's do this. So then we built our huge barn. And now 4,000 chickens later, my husband's been talking about building a second barn so we can raise our own chicks because we do cage-free chickens. So we thought we could raise our own and then shuffle them in. And, but that's still on the horizon. I don't know if we're ready for that right now, but so that's a little history of how we started when now we have 4,000 chickens. That's some ultimate chicken math, though. I think that's the biggest increase we've seen from anybody. Because a yeah, lot of folks two extreme. or three and go to 100. So Yeah, he's pretty extreme. Everything's big. If you come to our farm, you would be like, wow, he just built a shop. He built a shop for everybody to use, but it's really like to house his tractors. So it's a tractor. I don't care what he says. It's a tractor shop. But so everything's big with the bells. That should be like yeah. a new slogan. Everything is big with the bells. Yeah, <laughs> so you even what, go with the biggest yeah. horses, right? You oh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? 
I'm just saying you even go with the biggest horses. You don't want to start with those tiny ones. You just go for the biggest right off. And our family, we were 10. So it's, everything is big. Yes. (laughs) So what color tractors do you have? Because my husband's going to ask, he's a tractor collector. And if I don't ask, he's going to be upset. Well, I know we have some John Deere tractors and we have some old international tractors because my father-in-law is also a tractor guy. So of course, I think we're good. And he calls my husband and says, I just saw this auction. So I have to be quiet a lot in the winter because he's always on the auction buying things. We need this. And I just, so we get to hear all day, all winter, because he's off of work in the winter. So background auctions are going to be our friend here in a couple of months. Yeah. Same here. Same here. Yeah. We get a lot of, does your husband then sit over supper and tell you about ridiculous prices he saw on the auction? for the stuff he didn't buy? Because that's the big conversation around here is, yeah. you'd never believe what they paid for this. Oh, that's the, that's it now, right? Because before it wasn't like that. And he'll bid and he'll look at me like, and I'm like, no. He's like, this is still a good deal. The next tractor will go for more. No, right here, done. We just so we travel. He travels to other states now just to pick up something small, like a little tiny... He's got to go to Ohio for that. I'm like, they don't got nothing like close by for us. So that's basically like our winter and spring is upgrading because this doesn't work too well. And yeah. Yeah, we do a lot of, we'll go on a road trip as a family and have to pick something up for somebody and it'll be, oh, we have to save space in the car for that when we come home because we got to pick up this whatever. Well, the the newest one for me, yeah, the newest one for me is, so do you want to go on like a getaway weekend? And I'm like, yeah, where are we going to go? He's like, oh, we got to go to Idaho. I'm like, wow, super cool. I bought this tractor and I'm like, no, you're on your own. You're on your own. <laughs> so that's something the good thing. there it's, first. It's that date weekends. And he's smart because he picks places he knows I want to go. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. But then when you come home, you only can go like 50 miles an hour. So then it takes you three days. It took you a day to get there, but it takes you three days to get back. Yeah. So that's and this sounds oddly familiar. And I'm just yeah. guessing that the pickup is not just to pick up the thing quickly and leave that usually that turns into about a half a day of talking, uh, talking. With yeah. They like to talk. From. Yeah. yeah. Even when we go to fairs or something, I just say, I'll see you later because that he'll find somebody and talk. And then, so I just go do the part that you can like shop or let the kids go ride rides or it sounds like they're all the same. All yeah. the same. Yeah. Mine is cow sales, but yeah, same thing. I got asked a little while ago if I wanted to go to a, to cow, to a cow auction overnight. And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> Cause that's going to be <laughs> the whole day. It's just watching cows. So I'll stay home for this one. I have yeah. to say, I'm glad I knew what I was getting into before our honeymoon, because approximately <laughs> half of our honeymoon was spent looking at tractors, talking to tractor collectors and Driving around old tractor dealerships to peek in the windows at wow. tracks. Romantic, Jim. <laughs> when we first know, got married, right? I was afraid to say no. But now, like 26 years later, I just look at him. I'm like, I'm not afraid to say no anymore. Take Josh with you. <laughs> exactly. We can do something later. <laughs> you take at least one child and you can do whatever you want. As long as I don't have to go. That is correct. There are a couple things I'll go to because I know there'll be some entertainment and shows and shopping. Like if he goes to Shipshawana, I'm completely there. There's so much stuff in Shipshawana. Okay. But some places where they're deserted and there's nothing like, like you'll be sitting there drinking coffee after coffee, bags of popcorn, bags of popcorn while your husband talks to everybody. Yeah. 
I get it completely. <laughs> so did you grow up in agriculture or was this a whole new adventure for you to marry into this? I was a city girl and I was all about, I didn't like the smells. I didn't, they would I'd go for breakfast when we were dating and they would eat the milk right out of the right out of it warm and they'd ice it and they'd walk in and sit on the table and I'm just like can I have a half a glass of water because I would fill like the milk with half water and ice and oh they were not happy they're looking at me like what are you doing so that was a cultural thing for me because I was just like oh, what are you doing like where's your gallon I don't see it says best And but they all are strong bones and they're all like chiseled but so that was the smell and because you want to go feed the calves and I'm like I don't know what that means and then You'd see that you feed them and you got slobber all over you. It just wasn't for me. It just wasn't for me. <laughs> but clearly the man was. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. It, and uh, here we are, chicken farmers. And now my kids are raising cattle and my daughter runs our chicken farm. And But I, it's a good thing, though, because it, it's, I don't want to say forced, but it really made us have to work together as a family. Like it just created that unit because we were all out in the field. We were even bailed hay and come home with scratches and your hands hurt so much from the ties because you can't wear gloves because you can't get your fingers under there with gloves. And so it really did create our family unit where we had to, we were always together. In August and July, you can't go nowhere. Don't plan a vacation because you're cutting hay, you're bailing hay. And luckily we have six boys so that worked out really good, but it just created this family unit for us and it gave my kids things to do and they weren't bored and it gave us other opportunities. We showed horses, all of us as a family, and we traveled showing horses when the kids were little. And so I think that it was a, definitely a benefit because it might, I feel like my kids are down to earth. They know how to work. Now they still have those values and it just created this like strong unit where we're just tied together. I know as farmers, you guys understand, but it, and it took them out of the world, which was really nice because it just, I don't know. I just think it just creates that homestead. And that's why I have a huge kitchen. I've got to have a farm kitchen. It makes sense, right? I'm a farm wife. I have to have a farm kitchen. And so it was the easiest to get this remodeled because I thought, honey, I'm feeding all these kids. We got this farm. He's, yeah, you're right. So that was an easy thing to, <laughs> no fighting with the big kitchen because he knew. <laughs> he knows so, that's where everyone hangs out anyway. Right, is, we'll uh, never run out of eggs. How many loads of dishes do you do a day? Do you have one dishwasher or two, or is it just that you have eight kids and you just put them to work? Oh, so well, I only have I two kids my, and dishwashers. I actually got rid oh my of my God. dishwasher. I got rid of my dishwasher because- nothing really got done, right? Like they load the dishwasher and then you smell it two days later and realize it didn't get ran or it got ran and it's so stale because it never got put away. So I thought, you know what? I need the drawers. So for dishes, I kind of, as I cook, I do dishes. So it's not so bad. Sometimes when I get to going, their dishes are bad, but we always had a day where each kid was like, okay, Haley, you're Monday, Robert, you're Tuesday. The two little guys were together. So Everybody had a dish day. And of course I homeschooled my kids till eighth grade. And so they were home to help me with the chores and the cooking and things like that. So we do have lots of dishes. Like I, I was just gone this weekend. I come back and I have five forks. I don't know where they've all gone. So that's a constant issue is forks and spoons. I don't I have a million knives. I just can't figure out where the forks and spoons go, <laughs> but it was I, a family thing for sure. 
Yeah, I have two teenagers and I know that as they get older, the cutlery seems to disappear into people's bedrooms in a way, yes. in a way that yeah. it didn't when they were younger. Yes, agreed. Um, so you've, as you've already mentioned, you've got a pretty big family. Are you willing to talk about how each of those kids ended up as part of your family? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want me, do you want me to go right yeah. now? Yeah, okay. go ahead. So I don't, yeah. whichever order you want to go in. Okay, I'll go in order as how they came into the home. My, I was diagnosed with endometriosis before I got married and it was a pretty progressive, it was pretty progressive. And so we were basically told we probably couldn't have kids. And of course you wanting to be a mom, you're not going to really take that as an answer. And so we went through four years of infertility and just finally realized, you know what, maybe we can adopt or because we really weren't, it's been so long, but I guess adoption, I really never thought to adopt because you don't really hear at the time. I didn't really hear people adopting or foster care. Like you never really, I heard that, I guess, because the people around me were having children. So I guess if you're in that situation, you really aren't aware of other opportunities. So we ended up adopting my oldest son, David through private adoption and we kept it open and his family actually only lives like maybe 12 minutes away because we just felt like it was really important that even though we were adopting David, he still needed his birth family. He still needed them because that was part of who he is. And so we didn't want it. It did a closed adoption. Didn't make sense to me. I understand there might be certain circumstances for us. We just really, we needed them. And I believe that, and I'm glad we chose this as David got older, he needed them. And so we adopted David in 2000. And uh, luckily our parents surprised us and ended up paying for us to be able to adopt David because we just, we had no money. We just were newly married, we had nothing. And so then two years later, we signed up for foster care. We had a family that had been foster parents forever and said, you wanna be looking at foster care. And so when we became foster parents, it wasn't our goal to, I'm gonna become a foster mom and adopt my family. It was basically, I just wanted to be a help to somebody. Even if we could keep kids in our homes for a couple of months or we were very, we were foster parents for almost 11 years and our entire time, we were really engaged with the families. If we were allowed to be, we wanted to help them too, because it really is a whole family structure. It's, foster care is a result, but it's not like how to heal and how it's not the solution. And so we were very invested in the parents. We wanted to help them. We wanted to help grandma, whoever was there. So we didn't go into it to adopt. We went into it just to be a help. And I wanted to do something. And after we got into foster care, not six months later, we saw Joshua and Joshua was at the very first meeting. He was sitting in the middle of the room and you could clearly see he had some disabilities. And I just saw him and it was just like one of those like movie moments. I was just, that is my child. Like I just knew that I needed to be his mother. And so we came up to our social worker and I said, who's that little boy? I really, I feel like he's, I'm supposed to be his mom. And she just looked at me and she's really, because he has some disabilities. You guys are just getting into foster care. Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And they were shocked because it's not often that children who have disabilities do get adopted, but there are people who do adopt children with disabilities that are wonderful parents. But, and it is, it's hard because as a new parent, you don't know, you don't know their future. You don't know how you can even help them. And so we brought Joshua into our home and then a year later adopted Joshua and he did have some disabilities. He was shaken at two weeks old. And so he had a lot of different disabilities that, that he's overcame and oh, he's so wonderful. He has still, he forgets some things. Sometimes he'll be eating 
and he'll come back and eat at somebody else's food. And I'm like, Josh, that's not your plate. He's like, oh. And so it's just things like that, but he's doing great. And he's just, you would never know. He drives tractor. He drives a side-by-side. He runs trucks, equipment. It's just ugh, absolutely a miracle. And so anyway, we adopted Joshua on July 3rd of 2003. And then on July 5th of 2003, I found out I was pregnant with Gideon. And so eight years, it was like that weekend. It was like the craziest weekend ever. And so I found out I was pregnant with Gideon. And then after eight years in 2004, we had Gideon. And then shortly after that, Isabella came into our home late. Her and her birth brother came into our home and he went with dad. They had different dads. And so Isabella was in our home for almost three years before we could adopt her. Just a lot of circumstances around that. And then I think a year later, year and a half later, Kaylee came into our home. The, our foster worker said that they had a little nine-year-old girl. She's actually sitting there, a little nine-year-old girl that wanted to live on a farm, have a big family and go to church. And so she called me and she really didn't give us an, an option. She basically said, I, congratulations, you have a nine-year-old girl. And so then Haley moved in shortly after that little Noah came into our home because their brothers were actually our neighbors. So their dad worked for our company. They were renting from us the same house the boys are in right now. So odd. They were renting from us. Their dad was friends with us. They would come over and the boys would come over and ask to play with the kids and ask to eat dinner with us. And so Noah came into our home because they wanted him them by their brothers. And then that October, their dad passed away suddenly. And we all sat down together and we were like, we love you guys. We know you want to be with your little brother. And so we all sat down together and decided that they want to stay here. They wanted to be adopted. So we talked to birth mom who she's still around and she lives like 10 minutes away. The kids get to see her and she just wasn't at the time. She wasn't able to provide what they needed at the time. And so we all just sat together because I felt like it was really important that, you know, even though this situation, I still felt their mom should have a say because it just makes sense to me. And so then we decided that it was in the best interest for the boys to stay with us. And we adopted the boys in 2010. And unfortunately in Michigan, you can only have eight children in your home. And so we had to close our license and here we are 10 years, 11 years later. So yeah, that's the fast version. Out. <laughs> yeah, we maxed out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, who knows, right? But do you think if you could have had more, would you have kept going? Or there, do you feel, did you feel drawn to have more kids or do you feel like this, this was a, your family unit? That's a hard question. No, I didn't want to close our license because there's other opportunities, whether you keep a child for sure permanently, there's still, there's such a need for foster care and they just don't have the parents. And it's just such a broken system. Like it's just so broken. And there's so many kids that are being gone, going to other States because there's just no families anymore. And it's hard because it's, I know as a foster parent myself, it is sometimes hard to deal with birth families. And as a mom, like my husband was never attacked. It was me. It was always me. I did this, or she's doing this, or she's doing this, or the children would come into my home and say, after being in our home for months, you're not my mom. And I'm like, you're right. I'm not your mom, but I'm your friend. And I love you. And just talking to my social worker, she's like, yeah, you have a file like this big. Cause every time somebody reports, we have to put it in there. So it's hard because it is the parents know they're losing control and there's just so many emotions flying and just so much going on that it's, it's so hard. I really would love to see something be fixed there. Like just 
services or educational classes, or I don't know, I don't know what the answer, but it's just not easy. And so I would really, as my kids are transitioning out, I would really love to revamp my house and start bringing in children again. But we, your family's always first. And so we do still have two of our children in school that are still need us. And so maybe in the future, once they move out and get settled, we can restart it again. But we do want to bring in older children. So my passion really is my husband's not really on board right now. So right now, this is just my passion. But I would really love to bring in children who are 14 to 18 that are looking to be in a family. It breaks my heart to know there's hundreds of thousands of kids aging out And basically you age out of foster care, you have to move out. And then if you haven't been provided the services or a wonderful family that adopted you, you're basically on the streets and that's heartbreaking. So that's where my desire is right now is to help these children. So when they do age out, they are still part of something. They can, they can say, I'm a bell and they can get their own place, but they're still a bell. And so that's, I don't want, I don't want little babies. I'm 51. want little babies. I like my sleep, but that's where my passion is now is I really, we've been really praying about it. And right now we're not in a position just because we want to make sure our youngest to get that attention that our older kids did. So we'll see maybe in the future. I don't know. We got so many things going on. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah. I have to say, I love the amount of respect that you so clearly have for the kids' birth families and for that. I know it can't be easy because there are reasons that their kids ended up in foster care and being adoptable, but it is so important to at least model that for kids, that you still respect people, even if you don't respect some of their choices or necessarily even like them that much, that you can still respect people because that's, we also did four years of fertility treatments and started foster care classes and found out I was pregnant like the week of the first class. Um, I love that. But it's now something that we're kind of talking about again, because it's, I told my husband, I don't feel the same desperation for more children the way I did with the first two, but I don't feel like our family's complete. And I feel like we have a lot to offer. Yeah, me too. But I don't think I am emotionally at the place that I could show the level of respect to a birth family that would be necessary to really model healthy relationships for a child. Because you don't have to like them, but you do still have to respect them because they are that child's birth family. Right. So it's amazing to see the amount of pride and joy that you so clearly take in your children, because I assume that most people love their kids. That's a baseline, but it seems rare to see people who really enjoy their children. And that's such a blessing for kids, I think, to have parents who really enjoy them, because that's such a step beyond just loving them because they showed up in your house. And I do have people ask me like, do you love your kids all the same? Do you love them as much as Gideon? And I'm like, yeah, they actually say that Robert's my favorite. And I'm like, Robert's not my favorite. All you guys are my favorite at times. If you're good, you're my favorite. If you're not good. It depends on the day, right? Yeah. It depends on the day, but it's so odd because I have people message me all the time. Aren't your kids grown up? Why are you still cooking for your kids? Because they want to be around us. Our kids actually enjoy being around us. Haley just got her new place. And they're like, so you mean a family of nine? And I'm like, just because she bought her own place doesn't mean she's not my child. Is she? And she had made a lasagna and they're like, 
why is she cooking if she moved out? Because she's my child and I, and I enjoy cooking for my family. My kids work hard. My boys don't come in until 6, 37 o'clock. They work on the masonry crew with my husband and they don't have time to cook. And I'm here that I love to cook and they know I love to cook. And it doesn't make any sense to me because my kids are, excuse me, 19, 20, 21. I'm not allowed to cook for them anymore. They don't understand that. Like, why are your kids still there? Why are, because they love us. It just, that makes sense to me. But with the foster care, anybody who was healthy with their family, we wanted them to be a part of our family. Like Isabella is very close with her grandma. She's working on being reunited with her dad and we're letting her take that step. That's her decision. And Haley met her birth dad for the first time not too long ago. And we've been searching for different people in our family. So I just, I really feel like it's important for them to have their family in their life because it really is who they are. We're just an extension. We've added to their future, but that's who they are. And that's why we didn't change names either. We let them, we gave them an opportunity to change their middle names because I know a lot of, of birth, and this is just my opinion. A lot of families who have adopted have completely changed their names. And that was their name given to them. That's who they are. So Haley's name, that was given to her. That's who she is. And so we just gave them the opportunity. We're like, hey, do you want to change your middle name? So it'll be a name in our family. So they can, it was really important to me that my kids, when they came into our home, that they felt part of us and that I built memories and traditions. That's why I have all these birthday traditions and stuff is because I, they came with no traditions. They came with no history, even though they had it, they didn't have pictures. They didn't have things they did as a family or special celebrations. And so it was really important to me that my kids, when they got older, they realized they belong somewhere and they can look back and say, on my birthday, I know when I come downstairs, mom's going to have it decorated. My presents and my cake are on the table. And it's so just to share a little something with you, excuse me, we have so many kids that we have so many birthdays. And in January, February, March, Basically, we have birthday decorations up for three months. There's no sense taking it down. I might add a little pink for Izzy, but pretty much we're set. And so I thought, I can't do this anymore. I told my husband, I can't do this. And so I remember walking around the corner and it's when Robert and Brendan came in shortly after. And my son, David says, you're going to love when it's your birthday. It's so cool. My mom, she comes down when we're sleeping, decorates everything, puts presents on the table and the cake. And you come down to it all. I was like okay, we're doing it forever. And so I kept it because David was so excited and shared it with them. And he's like, really, really? Because I don't know if they got a party. I don't know. And I'm not going to ask because when they feel it, that it's, they're ready to share things with me, they know we're here for them, but that's their kind of their story, their history. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to, I don't, it doesn't make sense to bring up stuff so they can't move forward. So anyway, I really tried to build a lot of traditions and stuff for my kids because I just wanted them to belong. And we've had like one Christmas, we had the boy's mom and Izzy's grandma over and they stay with us Christmas Eve and they open presents with us. And that, I just feel like that you have to do that. It's just, our kids need that. They need to know that we all love them. They need to know that we accept them too. And if we don't forgive, then they'll never forgive and move on. So it really is about the children. It's not about me. It's not about even the birth moms. It's about the children. You do what's best for those kids so they can heal and stop that cycle, right? Because I don't want them to do what they grew up with. We want to see that, hey, you can also do this. You can love them. You don't have to make those choices. And you can also start your own kind of. 
So it's really important. A lot of people don't understand. They're like, I don't understand why you have a family there. I don't understand why your kids still hang out with you and they're 21. And, but I know soon when they find that somebody special, they aren't going to be eating at the table anymore. So I'm going to feed them until they find somebody special and they have their own dinners that I'm not going to be invited to. So I'm going to do as much as I can with as little time left as I can. And if they don't like it, they just boo on you, but that's just how it's going to be. You have, sorry. I was just going to ask, do you feel like those traditions also help to bond your kids to each other? You know, that because those, you know, the relationship with you is one thing, but the relationship with each other when they're coming in at different ages and from a different histories, is that one way you helped help them as siblings to become a unit? Or are there other things that you did that you feel like were helpful in terms of creating those sibling relationships? No, I agree. Yeah. Just having these traditions, like when the holidays come, we have game nights. I buy us matching PJs and they grumble, but they wear them and we do games. And so we, the kids know, okay, Christmas is coming. Mom's going to put games together. And so anything that I can do to promote us being together is what I would do in like bedrooms. I had the four older boys together and the two girls and the two little guys. And as they started to grow up and different ones matured differently, we had to adjust things, but yeah, Haley, when I first met Haley, I was so excited. I made, I got cookies. We could decorate cookies together and chili. And David looked at her and said, we have horses. And she looked at him. She's, oh, and she looked at me and I was like, yeah, go ahead. So her and David left. It, I was like, with my icing, I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll decorate some food. But so they bonded right away. And that's what I want. Like, I wanted them to have each other. And they're really close. I know the favorites. I know the ones that can't stand each other. I love it that they all, the other day, they all went bowling. I wasn't invited, but that's okay because I knew my kids were together and their friends hang out with each of my kids and they share their friends and stuff. So I think that's more important because we're one day we're not going to be here and it is important that they have those bonds and they do see each other as real siblings. Like they've always been together. They don't see each other as adopted. They don't act like they, they were adopted. They fight. They argue. They I was going to say, do they, they fight like siblings? They oh yeah, they do fight, especially the boys. Six boys, I have holes in the wall and I have... Boys are very physical when they get upset. And so we've dealt with a lot of that, but they are really close. If you came in our home, you honestly would have no idea that they're adopted. Like they just, we would, you would just think we are just one happy family that's always been together that, and I forget that they are adopted. I totally forget. I just feel like they have been my own since they were babies. It's... So what are any of your kids interested in working on the farm or? working in ag and what do you enjoy about raising kids on a farm? So my daughter, Haley, she manages the whole farm. So I do books and stuff, but basically we put her in charge of running the farm. So she does the delivery. She washes the eggs. She keeps count of everything. My two boys, my three of my boys work masonry with my husband. We have a masonry company also. And so a couple of them are investing in that. My David said he could just hay the rest of his life. Like he just, he loves haying. So there are a couple, they, they all know when hay season's here, we all have to help, but I think they like it. Of course they complain. Like my little guys are in charge of doing the eggs on the weekend. So it gives Haley a break and they, and, and they, it's important for them to have chores. We all used to take turns washing eggs in their home. So they complain about the farm, but you know, that's my son with his side by side. I'm like, what is that? But I, I think they do. They don't mind going, getting free eggs for breakfast in the morning for sure. But I do think it just, like I said before, it really built this strong unit for us. And we were centered around that farm. We were building it up and all our kids were younger and they helped us build it. One winter, 
my husband and all the kids were over there and it was that winter that it was like 30 below for the month. I don't know if you remember that winter. It was so like, like schools were shut down for a month and they'd be over at that barn, my husband and all my kids, and they would be building the barn. So they built every building over there with my husband. And even before we adopted the boys, when we built the horse barn, the boy's dad and them were helping us lay block. I have pictures of it. It's amazing. So it's just, I think it's just a part of who they are. They grew up on a farm and it's who they are. So can you remind us how old your little guys are? Because when I say little guys, I mean, my kids are four and five. So I'm just picturing like little kids out there, like washing 4,000 eggs. And I'll yeah, tell you if, yeah, my if little my, guys are 15, 16. see now that makes more sense. Cause if I picture my kids washing 4,000 eggs, you'd get maybe 30 that would be saleable (laughs) (laughs) a lot of enthusiasm not a lot of 15 and 16 that's my little guys (laughs) so I figure there's probably some like secret mom handbook that you get if you have eight kids on a farm so do you have any like secret laundry tips or is it just buy them all matching overalls and call it good which I think is totally valid. So when I was a new mom, when all my kids started moving in, I would do everything like everything. I didn't let them help me because I wanted done right. And as more children kept moving in and they were older. So Haley was nine, Robert was almost 10 and Brendan was eight. So my last several children were older so they could help out. But I did try to do everything myself. And I realized you can't do everything yourself. And so It was really important to us also when our children came in that we had a schedule and that they had a purpose and that they had something they were in charge of because before they weren't really in charge of anything. And so we wanted to get them right into the mix right away. We wanted them to feel like they were part of our family. We wanted them to have jobs and have responsibilities and have a schedule because most of them came, they didn't have a schedule. And I think that's important to have a schedule. I would come downstairs in the morning and I had a notebook sitting on the counter. They knew where the notebook was. And I would list everything we had to do. And then I would write down, pick three. They'd have to put their name next to three. And they would race downstairs in the morning because they wanted to make sure they got the easy jobs. And so that worked out for a while. But then I had to say two easy jobs one hard job. So I had to have easy jobs in one category and hard jobs in one category. And so they had to pick three and I didn't care when the job got done, but it couldn't, it had to be before dinner. Like the job had to be before dinner with my little guys. Of course, there were little things like pick up the shoes in the front, put the pillows on the couch because you can't expect a three-year-old to clean toilets. It's just not age appropriate. I'm sure they would try, but who knows what they'd stick down. If I don't know. And so I made sure that I had a list Um, Because I did homeschool all my kids till eighth grade. So we would get up, we would have breakfast. I would give them their chores. We do school and then they would do their chores in between breaks or whenever. And so we did that. We did, everybody had their own day for dishes when they were younger. Laundry, I basically did all the laundry. Then I was like, okay, enough of this. So then I would have somebody who did towels. Like Haley, you're in charge of folding towels and putting them away. We would all fold laundry on the bed and then we put it in piles and the kids would come and take their laundry. Now that they're older, even though they have a house, they don't have a washer and dryer. So we have days, we have a board and they, I bought them all a hamper and with their names on it. And so they have a hamper with a little tiny thing to put their detergent and stuff in. And so everybody has a day. So my kids will pop in 
when it's third day. So we did that for the laundry and for cleaning, everybody would have a room and we still do that right now. Like when Izzy and Noah come in or Haley still wants to help out, I'll give everybody a room. Even if they're in school all day, they have to have something, even if it's small, even if it's, Hey, come in, take out the garbage. They still have to have something. So normally I will wash dishes and I'll keep them there all day. It's hard to see. So when they walk in, I'm like, okay, you guys got to put away the dishes. And so that would be their job is to put away the dishes or clean the entryway. So we do all pick a room. We, we did that when they were little too. And now pick a room, clean that room, and then you're done. Go back your day. It worked for us. And like meals, I'll ask the kids, hey, does somebody want to cook this week? And they'll say what they want to make. And I'll add them to our board. We do a weekly board. And that's been working out really good. They'll all take turns cooking also. And we, and, but we've done that since they were little. I cringed watching them make cookies and stuff and watching them destroy the kitchen. But I knew it was important. So it's important though, because they, even if they messed up the kitchen, I knew they still had to do that. This is what we do now. And it's so funny because I'll tell people like, I wish there was TikTok like 10 years ago. Like everything we're doing right now, we've always done. People are just seeing it now. And it's always been on that scale because you never know what kids are coming into your home. So I always was making everything big. So everything I do, I've always done like this. I make cookies enough for an army and my army eats it. So Nothing. There's. I was just going to anyway. say that's a good reminder for me that I do have that piece of control where I have a hard time watching them make messes and wrecking the kitchen or whatever. But yeah, I need to remind myself now and then that this is where they need to learn. <laughs> and sometimes I just need to let it go and let it happen and then help them clean it up after. And it gives them that confidence to be in it. Because you know, I've seen other families where the kids are afraid to open the fridge. And like Joshua, he'll say, mom, can I eat dinner? I'm like, honey, you don't. And he still said, I think he says it just because he does struggle. And I'm like, don't ever ask to eat. And I would even tell the children who came into our home, don't ever ask to open the fridge. Just open the fridge. Eat whatever you want. If you want to cook eggs, ask. I'll help you. And I just, I wanted them to feel comfortable in the kitchen. I didn't want them to feel like it wasn't their home. This isn't my home. It's our home. So I don't want my kids walking on eggshells. If you want to make eggs, if we have to buy a new pan, we'll buy a new pan, which we've had to do because you got to oil that pan. But I just wanted them to feel comfortable in the kitchen. I wanted them to feel like this is their home too. And, and I feel that they do feel that even though they're not, some of them aren't here. I still feel that they feel like this is their home still. I, it's homey and they know they can always come here for anything. So when it comes to farm life, we know that it's not all, not all sunshine and roses. There is some, some smells and all that kind of stuff. So what would you say would be one of your biggest challenges when it comes to parenting as it relates to the farm piece? I think the messes, if I showed you my porch right now, everybody for some reason has a pair of work boots and barn boots. I feel like and, my daughter has six pairs of barn. Yeah. Barn. I don't know and, how they expand so quickly. I would come downstairs and there's feet prints. And I'm thinking, please don't be ones from the chicken barn. In the spring, it's just, there's mud and there's mud everywhere. The floors are disgusting. The carpets are disgusting. When we spread manure, the bathroom smells because all the clothes, you can't get them in the washer right away. It's just, yeah. and you have to wait for all the boys to come back so you can get them all in there. The funniest thing this summer, my kids were out in the pool and my husband decided, <laughs> that's another thing with the farmer. If there's a piece of property if it, you have a big yard, it will be tilled up and you they will plant whatever they can in there. So my kids were swimming and I look out and I'm like, what is that smell? My husband is spreading manure in the side yard. 
And I walk out, my kids are swimming and they're like looking at me like, mom, really? I actually have a video of it. It's pretty hilarious. So I walk out, I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm spreading manure. I'm going to grow some stuff for the chickens. And I'm thinking, it's my yard and the pool's there. It looks pretty nice. <laughs> you know what he planted looks really nice, but everything gets tilled. Everything gets tilled and there's mud and crap everywhere. So yeah, that's we had our, our septic replaced in the front yard a few years ago. So they ripped it all up for a drain field. And in the spring, I see my husband out there and I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm drilling oats in where there's just that bare dirt. And so now what, four years later, there's still oats and it had alfalfa mixed in. So there's alfalfa growing in my front yard. <laughs> like, I'm just going to bail that off because that's not just going to mow that down. That's pointless. But yeah, I get that. I just don't know. I do, and even our garden, it, you would think it would be a normal garden, not for a farmer. My husband is addicted to planting tomatoes. And so when I can't harvest every little bit, I get in trouble. And I'm like, what do you want me to do? You planted like a hundred tomato plants. I've made spaghetti sauce. I've made roasted tomatoes. I've made chopped tomatoes. I have made crushed tomatoes. What do you want me to do? He's there's more on the ground. I don't care. I can't just because you plant a hundred plants by seed. I, what do you want me to do? I can't yeah, consult up. the person who's processing them at the end before you decide. Crazy. To ground, right? Yeah. And so the backyard, you, my whole backyard used to be a garden. The whole thing. The whole thing. And I'm just like, okay. And then he's, get on that stuff. It's out there. <laughs> yes, I know. It's already at the same time. Yeah. It, yeah. Already at the same. Yeah. Like today, after I get it done with you guys, I'm going to snap beans. Because they've been sitting in my cooler for a week. Luckily, there's the cooler's cold, so it's they're still easy to be snapped. Yeah. But and he doesn't want me to waste before anything. the frost. Oh, crazy! Just crazy. So I was able to harvest that, but that's the farm life is everywhere, right? He, he takes the is it a grater or something, and he comes up my driveway with it to smooth my driveway out, and he's so proud of it. Look what I did when it's everywhere. Yes, yeah, good times. <laughs> For our listeners who can't see this, Arlene and I are just nodding along and yeah, nodding and smiling. Yeah. yeah. Sounds yeah. good. I nod now too. I nod now too. It's anything that can be plowed or I don't know if this is a farm thing too, but trees are constantly getting cut down too. So we have firewood enough for, I don't know, 10 years because he, he gets a vision and the vision is I cut down those trees. We make a bigger field. And so I, I don't have any privacy now between me and the chickens because he thought I want, I might like to sit on the front porch and watch my chickens. So it's all exposed. It's like this big area now. And I'm like, yeah. he's like, aren't you thankful? I'm so thankful. Yes. That you took yeah. down all my trees, my beautiful yeah, no shade in the summer. Yeah. I didn't want that. Yeah. My yard's gigantic. A couple acres in the front yard. That's my yard. He wants to cut down more. I said, I think two is good. Two yards, two acres of yard is perfect. Say so you mow that, don't you? Or he's not the one mowing it anyway, well, is he? He's just going to pasture it. We have the best riding lawnmower ever. From We get it from the tractor store. Because, you know, tractor stores sell riding lawnmowers. And it can't be those, like, little steering wheels. It's the ones where you got to turn it and have to have a license to drive. <laughs> I've got my eye on a new one, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> She's probably yeah. got people lining up to cut grass, Katie. Yeah, oh, and we, and, and just he also, I'll tell you too, is every farm has a loader. So when my husband, um, 
we redid our front porch. We like we have a porch and then we have a sitting area. So we removed the bushes because he said, I'm going to remove the bushes and we're going to make a wider sidewalk. So in the winter, I can take my loader down and I can just push the sidewalk snow, which is genius. But my sidewalk isn't normal. It's five times wide because it's perfect for a loader with the tires to just go right down there and just push it off. So everything he does is it's very calculated. It's smart, but very calculated. We have to use the farm equipment for every season. I feel myself over here just going, what's weird about that? We also use the skid loader for everything. So what would you want people to know if they were thinking about growing their family through fostering and adoption? You know, I think the number one thing is I think that a lot of people, they think that if a child's in foster care, they're a bad kid. And they're really, they're not a bad kid. They are looking for love and security. And they're looking for somebody just to say, I'm never going to leave you. I'm always going to be there for you. It definitely, and I've said this before, foster care brings out every emotion you have at once. Like at once. It's heartbreaking when we got into foster care. And I know this is so weird to say, but before I was a foster parent, even though we had adopted David, I really did think that everybody had a perfect family. You had your two children, life was good. And when I got into foster care, my first thought, like besides tears was, holy cow, families are broken. Families are torn apart. Kids are broken. Kids are scattered. Parents are struggling. And it really did burst my perfect life bubble because I thought everybody was happy. Because if you don't have knowledge of it or you're not a part of it, you don't realize that people are struggling. And even these parents, they just need a friend. They need somebody that could mentor them because the goal for foster care is not adoption, it's reunification. So if you go in there strictly to adopt, you're going to be disappointed and you're probably not going to stay being a foster parent. And will you adopt children through foster care? You will. There's just so many children that need homes. Stick with it. Definitely at least look into it. And you can decide what children come into your home what age you want. You can ask questions. So when a child comes in, you're not surprised about what's going on, but we just, there's just such a need. And these children, oh, I just wish I could save them all, but you can't, but there's such a need for foster care. And these kids, they just want to be loved. They just, they want to be hugged. They want to know that they're going to have a pillow to sleep on the next day. Some of these kids come and have never had a bed, have never had sheets on their bed. Some don't get food every day. And I just, they're just not bad kids. They're not juveniles. They're not rejects. They're not, these are all things I've heard. These are little kids that just need something. Even these older kids, even more, these older kids need, and are they going to be difficult? They're going to be difficult because they're angry. They're upset. They don't understand. They were put in a position they, they didn't ask for. They're, they're, they're the innocent ones in all of it. So I would definitely look into it and just go in with it. Just wanting to hug these kids up and Some of them just want you to sit by them or maybe watch them color a picture. They don't ask for much. They don't ask for anything. Actually, you get them a coat and they think they won the lottery. It's just the simple things they, that we take for granted. They don't get like breakfast. It's the little things that we have never really had to worry about that. They, this is where I start to get a little teary eyed, but they just, it's things that we feel everybody has and they just don't have it. When you bring them to your home, Treat them like the rest of your family. Don't treat them like they're foster kids. Don't keep their stuff in bags. Put it in a dresser. Treat them like they're your babies. If your kids all get this, make sure they get it. And when they leave, 
give them their stuff. Don't keep it because you bought it because they were foster parents. That drives me crazy. They just, I don't know. I could go on and on about foster care and their needs, but it's just broken. There's just so much brokenness around us that people aren't aware of. And they just want somebody to hug them and say, I love you. I believe in you. I'm here for you. Even if you go home, I still love you and I'm here for you. And the parents need to hear that too. You can change the parents' lives. I've had lots of parents who I became friends with and I still talk to them and they're doing great. They just needed somebody to say they loved them. I hugged many a moms, birth moms, and they just cry because I don't know if they got hugs from their moms or hugs from anybody else. It just, the smallest, kindest words can make a, change a whole life, a whole life. And you just saying, I love you or you're doing great. Simple words can completely change a path of, for somebody's future. Just, we all need kind words, right? We all need kind words. <sighs> oh, now I feel like I want to give you a hug. Thank you. I would love that. I love hugs. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's awesome. Talked a little bit already about your vision for maybe fostering teens again at some point, but now that your kids are getting a little bit older and gaining some independence, do you have any other dreams for yourself or things that you have on the horizon that, that you want to do? for yourself? Honestly, I not I love my kids around me and I know the time is short. And when I go on vacation, like we've always done family things like me and my husband's done a couple things on our own. And I know a lot of people are like, you and husband can do things by yourself. I don't want to do things by myself. I'm going to have lots of time soon here in the future where we're going to be by ourselves. But I honestly love where I'm at. I love that my kids are still around, even though they're older. I like taking care of my kids because I know with older children, that window is just slowly, it's closing like this. I can't wait for grandbabies. I'm going to be the best grandma ever. And I'm going to be that farm grandma that's going to have all those little tiny barn boots in the front. And they're going to look forward to going to I don't know what I'm going to call myself. I haven't figured it out. I, I, it has to be some cool name. I don't know yet, but I got to figure that out. Probably got a couple of years still to do that. But honestly, I don't. And I, I, I'm just happy where I'm at. I don't like me and my husband. We, I remember we took a trip to Hawaii, our 10 year anniversary. We got on the plane and it was all families. And I looked at him. I was like, oh, why did we leave our kids home? It was like, so we were like depressed. We were in Hawaii and depressed for a week because everything is families. And I thought we missed that boat. And I thought never again, if I go, they go, if I go, they go. And so we've always taken family vacations. We didn't wait until they were older. We, cause I wanted them to have those memories too. And I gotta be honest with you. I'm content where I'm at. I'm looking forward to grandbabies and just our family being even bigger. I'm not looking forward to going because I can go anywhere I want now by myself if I want to. I could then too. I guess just the grandkids is what I'm looking forward to is seeing what my grandbabies look like and who my kids pick to be with the rest of their lives. And if I'm going to like them, <laughs> I hope I do. <laughs> so far, we're doing good. <laughs> I'm sure you will. I don't, I, it's, I just get the impression that there aren't too many people that you can't come around to. So. I'm sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if they love your kid, that's the thing. If they love your kid, then you have to love them too. There's something that, about that. That is someone, true. That is if true. If someone can see your child's heart, then I feel like that already sways me. Agreed. Agreed. I guess too, though, if you were the sort of person who really loved to be alone, you probably wouldn't have had eight kids and especially not with 
bringing seven of them in very intentionally. That's, yes. Uh, all within a year and a half. It was fast. We had five kids. We had four kids for a while and then it was boom, 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 no time to breathe. And it, and when we had to, with a big family, like we went from a regular family, I guess, if you can say that to all of a sudden 10 of us, and we had to buy a new vehicle. My kids weren't driving. So I went from having a real vehicle to this big, huge economy van that we still have. It's now our egg van. We took out the seats. It's now the egg van, but things changed. Like we couldn't just go out to eat. We couldn't just go somewhere because we had a huge vehicle. It just, it's a lot, like a lot of planning. And whenever we go, like we would go to Florida, we took a couple of trips to Florida and we had to get two, we had to book only five and then five praying we could get on the same flight because you can't book 10 people. So we had to do two bookings. We had to get two rooms everywhere we went. And I had to stay in a room with kids and my husband had to stay in a room with kids. So it really was a huge change for us because you can't do normal things like tables. Oh, you're a party of 10. So we have to charge you 20% because you're a party. No, we're a family. Yeah, but you're a party. And oh, do you run a daycare? Or it was just, it was very, it was a cultural shock for us. Our whole way of living and thinking changed. We, I can't, I don't like when I grocery shop, I don't go down the Pepsi aisle or the cookie aisle, the cracker aisle. We go around the safe, veggies, lunch, meat, dairy, cleaning. We never went down those aisles because I get a 24 pack of Pepsi. It's not there, it's gone. So there are things we, couldn't buy because as a big family, don't get me wrong. We like our treats, but there, you just have to adjust. You don't get one pack of ham. You get like 15 packs of ham because you know, the sandwiches in two days, you're going to have nothing because boys, girls, boys. So it really was a different way of thinking and readjusting our family, how we live, the things we do. A lot of people ask like, how do you spend so much time with all your kids when you have eight children? I don't know if that's a question to come, but for us, me and my husband would have these different trips we'd pick and we'd take two kids. So Robert and David went with us once. And the next time it was Josh and Haley and then Gideon and Brendan. And then the little guys were too little. So they, we had to do like small things with them because I mean, they're three and four. You can't just take them to a convention for a weekend. And so we made sure that we would pick two kids. And then I would have a kid where I do a date night. My husband would take the girls. So we did make it a point to do things with our children special and they all remember that every one of them remembers going on the trip to the pepsi thingy or going on the trip for the this or going on the trip for this so it we had to be and you have to be very conscious it's not natural to just hug eight kids you have to be conscious of it did i talk to haley today did i kiss noah this morning did i even talk to noah this morning it's you have to consciously be aware of hugging them telling them you love them making sure you said hi to all of them before they walk out the door it's not like a couple of kids are like, I love you, poop, gone. It's, I haven't seen David today. Where's David? Where's David? Another thing too is my kids weren't allowed to stay in their rooms. Your rooms are for sleeping and changing. Family's here. And we did that because they came from being alone. And when kids are alone, especially teenagers, sometimes things, good things don't happen. And so we wanted our kids to be with us. And when they got angry, we didn't let them storm upstairs because then again, you have a child that's a teenager that was struggling. You don't want them alone. That's And so we'd say, you can be angry, but you're going to be angry here. And then we're going to talk about it. So there were different rules that we had to have simply because our kids were close in age and they were older 
and we wanted to really promote that family unit working together as a unit. Your feelings are justified, but then we have to talk about it. And so that's some of the rules we did just, I think, to keep our kids safe. They, they weren't allowed to have smartphones until they could buy them themselves and get a job. So they had talk and text phones. But some of my kids, Giddy just got one at 17 because he got a job and they got enough to worry about and then have to worry about that too. We were really strict with electronics because as a big family, you have to be careful with that stuff. It's, there are things we had to do. My son, Brendan says, mom, we're Amish. And I go, we're not Amish. Yeah, we are. We make our own applesauce and none of us have cell phones. We're Amish. Okay. I'll take Amish then. <laughs> You'd you know? probably have even less laundry to do if you were Amish. You just have like plain clothes and what, like two or three outfits each. You'd be done with yeah. it. But That's lines. true. That is true. But there Lots were of clotheslines. That's true. Yeah. But as a big family, there were things that we had to do that might seem over the top, but we had to do that to make it work. And then kids coming from trauma, there really are some things that you have to address. You have to be careful with, and you have to really shelter those kids because they have to be able to work through that. And I don't know. I just, there's just so much they're dealing with. We just wanted to take a lot of that from them so they could get through the transitioning into our home and out of the home that they grew up and loved, despite how bad it can be, they still love their family and they still miss them. It doesn't matter what they've gone through. We had to have things like that to make our family work and for our kids' safety, because thoughts can become serious. They can become actions. And we just really, that'd be heartbreaking if we ever had to deal with something like that. So we had to make sure that we were, and they all knew we sat down, everybody knew we talked about it. And so they weren't like shocked. Oh, I can't go to my bedroom. No, you can't hang out in your bedroom all day. Come down here and be a family, go outside and play. So one of the things I was really interested in from your social media reels, TikTok, I'm old, whatever, I videos was about that some of your kids are moving out into, is it just the one house on the farm that now several of your boys are living in or separate house. I thought that was such a cool idea that they're still in the family, but in their own space, because I do think that's so important, but such a nice transition too, that they're not just like out the door, good luck. And if that works for your kids to just be out, because I think too, didn't one of your daughters just bought her own home? Is that correct? Yeah. So it's so great to have those different levels of out. So the boys, so Brendan and Robert, they, we have our rental that's on the farm. So that was our first little house we bought. And so they moved into that and they rent from us. And then Haley just recently bought a house. That's maybe six minutes away. away, She said six minutes away. She timed it. And then like Joshua, he won't ever be able to live on his own just for safety reasons. And so our goal for Joshua is just to build him a little home, those little homes and just put it like right in the front yard where he still got his own independence, but yet he comes here and he wouldn't be able to have a kitchen or anything just for his safety. So he'd have to cook and stuff here. He could have a fridge and like a little kitchenette, like you see in like hotel rooms. And so he's super excited about it. He knows that we're going to do that. And because he sees all his siblings moving out and he's aware of that. And no matter how much my husband's, he can just stay here. No, honey, he can't. I know you love him. He's your farm buddy. But even though he has some disabilities, he still has to have that independence himself. And so our plan is to build him a little tiny home, like a studio home, just in the front yard. So where he has his own place, but yet he's here too. Because ultimately when all our children do move out, 
he's going to know he, he sees them all moving out. He sees them all starting to date people. And he, I feel like he needs that. He still needs his independence. He doesn't want to stay in a room next to mom and dad forever. He wants to have his own stuff and he's excited about that. So that's our next step is to build this little place for Joshua. Just have a little TV couch bed, his little kitchenette, just something small. So that's in the works right now with us is to figure out how to do that for him. Maybe you can put him between your house and the chickens, get some of your privacy <laughs> back. You That's know, a great. I'll put it like right off. there. I'll drink yeah. coffee and see his place. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great idea. Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah, and plant a couple of trees around the house. So in 10 years, we'll have those trees back. But yeah, um, that's right. Great idea. I think that's so great because I think there are very few adults, no matter what their what their personal situation is, who really want to live with their parents forever. And I think it, it seems like such a great way for him to have his independence, but to still be supported and safe and part of the unit. Yeah. And it's hard. I don't want to see him go. I can picture me, him and my husband on the couch watching TV until we're old, but he needs that. When my husband's like, why don't we turn that bonus room into a studio for him? I'm like, honey, we have to give him his own space. He's got to have his own space. He's got to learn something. He just, he needs that. He's 21 years old and he needs that. Maybe just get him a small TV and a not very comfortable couch so that he'll still <laughs> want to come to your house. Like That's he'll a great have idea. his stuff, but just, yeah, it'll not, still not be better at your house. Haley, she moved in two weeks ago and she's here every day. And I go, don't you have a house? She's yeah, it's not cozy like this. So I'm going to have to go visit her, but she's here all the time. And like I said, she had made dinner the other day and people are like, why is she making dinner? She doesn't even live there. Oh, so I guess our family's dissolved, but they don't have a problem with the boys living next door. Yeah, it's just yeah, her for some reason. I'm like, yeah. I don't get it. She's not allowed to be my daughter. <laughs> I don't understand some people's thinking. It just, but honestly, you think that the toddler years are the worst. Then you think the preteens are the worst Then the pre then the teens. And I'm telling you right now, the age my kids are at is the hardest because you want to be their parent but yet you have to let them make decisions, but yet you don't want them to make decisions. So you tell them things and then they tell you, I'm going to have to make my own decision. It's, it's like a whole, and it's hard because you see them on their way that they don't need you as much, but they really do need you. So it's almost like you got to be a parent, but not be a parent. This is probably the hardest. Honestly, I'm going to tell you the toddler years that your children are what four and five, three and four, that is nothing. Just wait till they decide they're 21 and they decide they need you, but don't need you. So then you don't know when you're needed. So you're not like, do you need me right now? Or can I be needed right now? So it's, I've been doing a lot of videos on my kids moving out and how they're not around anymore. So that's where I'm at right now. And it's hard because you, I've instilled those values. We've just like my husband said the other day is I've already raised them. I can't raise them anymore. Now they have to take what we're always their parents, but they have to take what we taught them. And now they have to apply that to their life. And hopefully they do make the right decisions. But he even said, maybe they're going to have to go through some stuff to see some stuff. And that's hard to watch your child go through something and you see them struggling, but you can't really do much. You can give them advice, but they have to experience it. And oh, it's so hard. Yeah. And it's almost struggling. Give them advice. They wouldn't necessarily listen to it, but you can't say, I told you so either. And sometimes you can't give them advice. They don't yeah. want it. Yeah, that's right. So you're like, What's my purpose now? 
get going on those grandbabies. I got to have a place. <laughs> Please hurry up. Then you can't raise them either. You have to respect their boundaries. Oh my God. <laughs> so hard. So hard. Sounds like adopting more kids is probably your best choice. At this I think point. so too. <laughs> I think I, so too. I, and my youngest too, they actually are on board, but dad's not. And we're a team. Yeah. So I can't push it on him. I, and he says, Heather, I've been praying since you asked me and nothing. And God has said nothing to me. So I'm like, okay, he really feels like there's more to do. And there is more to do. We still have our youngest too, that we have to, and Josh was in the home too still. So who knows? Maybe we'll just always be just the bells 10. I don't know. I don't know, but you never know. Right. You never know. Yeah. That's right. Like lots of people, we know you because of your social media presence and popularity. So what got you started into that world? And why do you think that people are drawn to your family? How we got started was my daughter had actually showed me it was musically at the time because musically just switched, what, three years ago or something. It was musically. Then it went to TikTok. It was actually Vines musically TikTok. And so they are showing me these and I'm thinking, that is the stupidest thing. Like, why would you want to be on an app that just dances? Because Musical.ly was just dancing. And so then everything got locked down. Can't go nowhere, especially in Michigan. We were locked down forever. I think we were one of the last states to open up. And so couldn't do anything. And so I said, you know what? Let's try this whole TikTok thing out. And Gideon goes, no one's ever going to follow you because you're old. And I was like, Okay challenge I signed up there and I just started doing some things of just me and we really weren't growing but I thought this is fun I could do this and then I had put something on of Joshua it was basically general just like, I'm so proud of Joshua the doctor said he wouldn't he wouldn't survive to be an adult he's my miracle child and people are like all over the world like oh my goodness we love Josh we love his smile oh my goodness what's going on and I thought oh people like they want to hear about our family and then they would see I'd make videos of different things and they're like I don't get it. So you have an adult home. Like I don't understand because David and Haley and Izzy are biracial. And so they didn't really understand. And I thought, oh, I mean, we can explain it. So then I started explaining that we're adoptive family and how our kids came out in real general. Like I never really gave details because that's not my story to share. We've shared some things about Joshua that I honestly wish I hadn't shared some specifics that we did. And I wish I could go back and take that back, but you learn and you grow. And so we're very careful now to what we share, but, and then people were like, oh my goodness, you're an adoptive family of 10 and family started messaging me and saying, we love your family. And how do I get into foster care? And I can't believe you have eight children and seven are adopted. And so people just really loved our family. And then people were like, how do you clean? How do you cook? Where do you guys go? Do you take two cars? What do you have for cars? Who sleeps with who? And we didn't address that. Just questions about our everyday living. And I thought, Okay. So we started sharing our meals, sharing our traditions. My kids are hilarious. So of course, if I could get, find anything funny that they would do. And so it just took off from there. People just really loved it and loved our traditions. And our page, I think is known a lot for, we share our adoption story, but now we just share more everyday living things. So cooking, people are like fascinated by my cast iron pans. And for me, this is just what we've always done. So for me, I'm thinking, I don't get it. Like 
I always make a chicken pot pie in a cast iron pan that's 16 inches around. That's normal for me. But for people who are like, holy cow, do you guys eat that? Well, yeah, we eat it. We have six boys. Of course we eat it. So that's just how we got started on there. And I get messages all the time. Women who couldn't have children and are looking into foster care and adoption. I had kids message me saying I was in foster care and I wish that somebody would have adopted me. I aged out. And others that were really struggling just needed a friend, a couple that we're about to make some very serious situ- serious decisions. And they said, but I saw your page and I just felt so much better. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like you would never think something so small would say, would literally save somebody's life. And I've met wonderful women. I've met, I've been able to talk with kids and I say, message me anytime. If you ever feel like you're in a position where you don't want to be here, please message me, talk, call me, text me, whatever. And I never thought that would ever happen. I didn't go on there thinking that would happen. And so just to see the people that one lady messaged me and says, I'm going through chemo. And I look at your videos every day when I'm in the hospital, I'm thinking, holy cow. Like, it's just, you just don't, you never, you just don't know who you're touching in that 30 seconds. And so we just try to be a page that's happy. And trust me, I got a lot of opinions I would love to share but this not the place where we get opinions all the time, right? In the age where everybody feels like we all need to hear what you have to say. And I just, I want our page to be uplifting. I want it to be a breath of fresh air. I want people to smile and to laugh and to feel comfortable sharing things with us. And I don't want to be that political page, that page where you attack everybody, or I tell you how I feel, or I just, we have enough of it. And I just really want to be a page that People, no matter what their beliefs are, what their lifestyles are, I just want them to come to our page and just be like, I know they love me. I know they love me. They don't care who I am. They don't care what I've been through because our family's so far from perfect. And we've been through so much and we've dealt with so much and we've seen the heartache. We've seen the pain. We get it. We actually do get it. We've dealt with serious situations in our family. We've dealt with serious situations with our kids. And I'm telling you, I always tell people, I am so far from perfect. I am still growing myself. I would never judge you because I got a lot of growing to do myself. And so I think because we're raw, we're relatable and what is what you get. I'm not going to put on a show for you. I'm going to share with you what I do. You like it. You don't like it, whatever. So that's our mission. It's just to really be a light. And some people love us. Some people can't stand us. Some people say my food's disgusting. I don't get it. Some people say I make too many cookies. How dare you say that? Can you make too many cookies? Holy moly, wait till Christmas comes when you get cookies coming out your ears. But you're not going to please everybody. And being in the, on social media and having so many followers, if I shared some of the messages I've gotten from people, you would be shocked. Shocked. I'm thinking, all I did was make chicken pot pie. I don't understand that message. But yeah, where is this anger coming from? People are struggling and you can't, you got to just kind of, and I just, and I've learned to respond with love. And usually when people message me and they send me some pretty crappy messages, I just say, we're just trying to do our best. And I love my kids. And they're like, you know what? I'm so sorry. You're right. I apologize. I shouldn't have come at you. And you got to respond with love even when you're being attacked because people are hurting and you just don't know their stories. And I don't think people mean to be hateful, but people are struggling and they what do you do? You know, it's good to know who you are too, right? It's clear that you are secure enough in yourself to say, this is what I have to offer and I'm going to be positive and 
like you said, take it or leave it. You don't, no one is forcing you to watch. So if people don't like the content, it's easy to scroll on by, but, but I hope that you take on those positive messages and the people who are looking for help and resources and that those are the ones that are really making a difference, right? Yeah. Whether you make any impact on the person who's negative to you, it doesn't really matter. But if there's someone who you're making their day brighter in the cancer ward, then, you know, that's huge, right? Like yeah. that's what makes a difference in the end. Agreed. And we're really careful too with my kids. So I've actually had to remove some videos because my kids are like, and I do show them like before I put something on, I'll show them. Do you mind if I do this? And there's times I'll video and they're like, this is going on TikTok, is it? I'm like, I, I would like to, if that's okay. Cause I catch them in the funny, funny moments, but I don't put anything on and they're surprised. I, like I said, I've had to remove a couple things and I've had to like, because when we first got on social media, it's so easy to get caught up in the wanting the likes, wanting the views, wanting the followers, being irritated with your family because social media is not doing what you want. And, and I actually had to sit down with my family and say, Hey, I, I know I've been crabby and I've, I was a little over the top and I shared things I shouldn't. And I've had to apologize to them just because you get caught up in this craziness. It's, it's so addictive and people are very intrusive. They make you want to share everything. And so I had to really like recollect, sit down and say, okay, what's my purpose here? Why am I on this? It is social media. It's not real life. You need to really recollect. And so I've had to humble myself, apologize to my kids, remove some things, recollect, reset. and my kids come to me if they want to be on. I don't because people are like, how can we never seen David? Because he doesn't want to be on. I'm not going to force my kids to be on. And so I've changed my thinking of how I do things because we are a family unit, but we, I don't have the right to be intrusive with my kids. So I'm very careful. Like I said, with Joshua, I've shared things that I wish I never did. And I had to get that right also. And you just, you learn. And so our page has changed a little bit it's of what we share and things we do and no more house tours, no more going in. We've had to really sit down because as we get bigger, it can be serious because people aren't all nice. And so we have to be very careful of our family if we're going to want to stay on this platform. Sure. And like you said, it's not like you started out at the beginning thinking that this is where you're going to end up. So what you share when you have a few, same as like when we all started out on Facebook, when we had a couple family and friends that were following us, that content looks differently now that you have many thousands of followers versus when maybe it was just a few neighbors, some friends, other people who are in lockdown and what they already know and what you're willing to share with them is going to be completely different now. So, I mean, mm -hmm. there's, it seems natural that you would definitely learn some lessons along the way and do some reflecting. And as your kids grow and change, what they were willing to share when you had a thousand followers versus millions is going to might be right. a little bit different too. And as they get older and enter into relationships and things, you don't know what their comfort level might be. I think the other issue is that since your screen names all mention what like bells 10 or 10, 10 bells, bells 10. Just the bells 10. Yeah. Now, if you adopt more kids, are you going to change your screen name or are you going to have to kick some kids out of the family? Because maybe this is where that deciding who gets to stay is going to become an issue. I had thought about that too. I think like maybe be just the bells 10 plus two. I don't know yet. I don't know. I'm not really sure what to do with that, but I guess yeah. you could stop counting yourself and your husband and that would get you at least two more spots. And then I could. The thing about social media is because when we first started out, it was Heather lifts and farms because our family, we were Olympic weightlifters. And so 
I lifted and I farmed. That's a whole new thing. Yeah. Me and my kids, we used to be Olympic weightlifters. We competed throughout like the U S and stuff. So, wow. I guess I didn't go back far enough in your content to know. Yeah. I don't know if I shared much of that, but so we used to be Heather lifts and farms. And so then when people started knowing about our family, we switched the name. So this is what happened. So when you switch the name, all of the whole internet switches. So if you look up just the bells 10, if we were just the bells 12, just the bells 12 would pop up. It's pretty interesting. So Heather Listen Farms, you can't find that anymore. Right. If you Google yeah, that, it'll come up just the bells 10. So it's very interesting how the whole web works. And my okay. four kids, well. <laughs> yeah. like my Gideon, he, uh, he was like fifth in the nation for his weight class. And he would have been first the next year, but we were in Anaheim, California at a weightlifting competition and his gallbladder burst 20 minutes before he's supposed to go on the, to lift. And we were doing emergency surgery in the hospital, watching his weight class compete. <laughs> that was quite interesting. So yeah, we, I have state records. And so that was, I had me and four, five kids. We all, and we actually, our coach is Chad Vaughn. If you look him up, he has two Olympic medals for one in Greece and one somewhere else. And so, yeah, we are. Yeah. Erlene, awesome. I know we've joked about like a barnyard language Olympics, but I feel like this <laughs> yeah. really just took it up a couple notches. Yeah, we, yeah. Our, our last question is always about dominating a category at the fair. You feel like where she, I know where she's going to go with this one, but all right. <laughs> recipe question first, Katie. Okay. So a lot of your content is cooking for a big family. It is, yes, it is. oddly soothing. I don't know why you're probably the only cooking videos I watch because Thank you. somehow it's like the videos of people making the tiny food in Japan that are also my oddly compelling. I don't get it. It's like the polar All opposite. All day long she watches that. I don't know. It's, I love them. So what is your favorite recipe to cook versus the one that your kids are happiest to see you making? The one I used to love was meatloaf because I could make anything. I could put rice in it and make it a complete meal. I could make a veggie one. And one day I was making a meatloaf and Haley goes, I really don't like meatloaf. And I was like, oh, and then my other kids are like, yeah, we really don't like meatloaf, except for Izzy. She goes, I love meatloaf. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, and so I was heartbroken. So meatloaf used to be it, but the kids are like, please. I'd make them in the little muffin pans, mini ones. I'd make a huge, I made a 10 pound one not too long ago. I could hook up you. I could hook you up with a meatloaf, any kind. I could make it a theme all day long. So now I'm going to have to say, I could tell you what each of my kids' favorites are, but I love using, I used to stay away from cast iron. I didn't understand it. And now my little cast iron tree I have over there. I just love, I love cooking with cast iron. So I'm going to say my favorite thing to do in the fall is soup. You might be surprised by this, but I'm a lazy cook. I want to be done. That's why I'm the casserole queen. I'm going to put the whole meal in one dish. We're done. And so in the fall, I love to make soups all day long. Dump things I can. So I've got my carrots, my green beans with juices in already. I got chicken broth. I can bone broth and you name it. I can it. So I love making soups in the fall. In the summer, I like doing huh, breakfasts. I like to make breakfasts in the summer because my kids are around. So I'll do big breakfasts. That's my thing. Like breakfast, pizza, breakfast, blah, blah, blah. In the winter, it's more like comfort foods because my kids are laid off. So that's when I'll do my casserole. So I think probably the most favorite thing I like doing is I'm going to say a tater tot casserole because I can, I just made a chicken pot pie tater tot casserole 
it was amazing. I made a pulled pork tater tot casserole. It, that was amazing too. I and, saw and that. I bookmarked that, that one. Of the brown gravy. He did that. He goes, make a brown gravy, Heather. And I was like, okay, <laughs> amazing. He says so, I have to give him credit too. Do you line the tots up though, or do you just toss them on there? I line them up. Good call. This you is have like, to line them up. I live in Northern Iowa. So we're like at that hot dish central versus casserole. It's a whole thing, but whatever. I had no idea how much of a hot take it was, whether you line them up or whether you just chuck them on there. A it's, big deal. I mean, it's, we have had some Facebook straight up fights about who's a liner upper and who's a tosser on her. And now it's. I do my round one. It's round. I do oh, my yeah. round, with my round one. And I have to speed it up because people want to see it. But I have family that lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I have family that lives in Des Moines, Iowa. See? Yeah. Midwest right here. Yeah. The Midwest. Yes. We've, yeah, been so, making, we've been making the tachos too, but I've started using waffle fries because they're easier to scoop stuff up with. And that's, it's like nachos, but with tater tots or waffle fries underneath. So like a poutine? No, it's like straight up nachos, taco meat and cheese and oh, black beans oh. and salsa and whatever. What? But over waffle I might fries. have to use that. Yeah. I might have to use Tell that. Good stuff right there. For Arlene's okay. just horrified. Maybe that's going to be on our menu. So it's called? Tachos. Tachos? Yeah, T-O-T-C-H-O-S. It's tachos. Okay, yeah. I might have to add that to my board next week and I'll tag Barnyard. <laughs> barnyard. Language. Maybe barnyard I can make language. a... I'll have to tag you guys in that one. That Maybe awesome. I can make a TikTok and you can do whatever people do with other people's TikToks. <laughs> I don't have any teenagers to tell me how to be cool. So I am just struggling through on my own. Thankfully, oh, my kids never... don't tell me how to be cool. They don't tell me. They, they say things and I look at them. I'm like... What does that mean? They like sick. That's not sick. Isn't being sick. It's like super cool. That was sick. And they say things to each other. And I'm like, what does that mean? Oh, you don't want to know. No, I really do. <laughs> I really want to, if it's bad, you better tell me, yeah. but or if it's yeah, good, I just want to know. Yeah. So it's, I'm not cool at all. You don't, you're never going to be cool ever. <laughs> Maybe no, for I'm, a short time. <laughs> I'm still super cool because I can get the kids. So they have the toys that record stuff and play it back. And I got their little bird to say fart the other day. And now we have the Alexa drop in. So I'll drop in the kitchen and make Alexa say fart. And they think it's great, but they're four and five. Yeah. So you got a little bit of a window. Yeah. yeah. You're cool for a little bit. It's I know my audience. Hurt. It's five-year-olds. Carly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do I just get to ask my next question? Too? Yeah, go for it. Wow. So Heather, we ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at the county fair, besides Olympic weightlifting and monster <laughs> chicken pot pies, what would it be? And categories can be real or made up to ensure that you win. So I think I'm going to dominate in the canned good area. I would definitely get a blue ribbon on canned goods because I can potatoes and carrots. I can applesauce and bone broth and chicken broth and every jam possible. I do vinegar medleys in anything I just made for the very first time. I canned, I roasted my own tomatoes and my dehydrator took two days put them in olive oil with a bay leaf and garlic. And I have my own sun-dried tomatoes. Beautiful. And I'm very proud of myself because those jars are like $10 and I just created 20 of them. Plus you probably used up a lot of those tomatoes. Here's the thing. So when I can stuff, my family says, can I touch it? And I go, you can't touch it for a month. They're like, I don't understand. It has to sit there and marinate 
my, and like, I make salsa. I just canned like, I don't know, 50 jars of homemade salsa. And he's like, can you get the salsa? I said, no, you can't right now. And it has to sit for a little bit. So my whole pantry is canned goods. I can anything. I I make my own pie filling. I can tart cherry juice. So good for inflammatory, your joints. If I can it, I will. So I would say I would definitely get the blue ribbon for canning everything in your kitchen. You name it. Definitely the top points in the, in the canning category. I am. I think you should start teaching classes about how to cook like this. Now that you got some kids out of the house and you got a huge kitchen, you might as well put it to work. I am working on putting a cookbook together because if one more person messages me and says, do you have a cookbook? I think I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. Run through the leaves naked, something. I don't know. I was, oh my goodness, please. And so I'm working on that. And people have asked me to start a cooking class on YouTube. We have a small following on YouTube, but so it's, I just have so much going on that it's really hard to like take one thing in the mix of a production company has contacted us about doing a lifestyle, a life type show, not like a reality show, but more of a lifestyle, like what we do in the farm and everything. So working about that right now. So I just, to add one more thing, I just. So you're the next pioneer woman is what I'm hearing. The pioneer woman is way too perfect for me. Her dishes coordinate. She looks beautiful. I just want to do something like right now, like I'm not matching and my kitchen's dirty. And I want something that people can relate to. Hey, I can get grand's biscuits and make dinner or not. Like I mentioned something and they go, they have to Google what it is and they have to search the specialty shops to get. I watch cooking shows, but I don't make any of it because I don't got the time for that. So that's what, that's why I do a lot of what I do is because it's just very relatable. It's fast and anybody can do it. Like I learned how to make a roux. And so basically if you can know how to make a good roux, dude, you can make anything like anything you get a roux Mm -hmm. recipe, you're good. And I'm finding that the more things you make from scratch, it's cheap. Like I learned how to make mayonnaise. You know how easy it is to make mayonnaise. It's like olive oil and eggs. (laughs) Like seriously, it's so fast. And so it's cheaper. I know people think if you make your homemade stuff, it's more expensive. It really isn't. It, use the resources around you. That's why we pick berries all summer. My kids love that. We just use our resources. And I have an apple tree that I can finally pick. My husband says, you can't pick that till the frost comes. I've been looking at those apples for two months. I said, can I pick the apples now? He goes, not until there's a freeze. So now we got our freeze and I can go get my apples off the tree now and start making some stuff with my apples. My four-year-old has been asking to pick apples since before they started blossoming this year, I think. (laughs) And he finally got to pick them this weekend. Just blew his little mind. So happy, hey? such a good time. He had his little end loader out there. He's scooping them all up in his little end loader and putting them in a hay rack and carrying them around. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah, I've been waiting to do apple everything. Make my apple pie filling and can it. And I've been staring at these beautiful red apples. They're right outside my window. He's don't touch those. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So he gave me the thumbs up. Were you tempted to just shake a few branches and just collect the windfalls and then you could at least get started? Tell you for my birthday, (laughs) I got an apple picker. Ooh. Uh, An apple picker. (laughs) He's, you're going to love this. And I opened it. I'm like, what is it? Oh, you can go out and pick the apples. And I'm thinking, great idea. Thank you. (laughs) And apple picker, yay me. I get 
lawnmowers and I get apple pickers. And I actually, I think I got a skidster loader for my birthday one year and I never drove it though, but it's my birthday present. So yeah, I got an apple picker. I mean, he was excited. So I had to act excited, but, yeah, um, yeah. This, but this is your week now. This is my week. I'm going to use yeah. my birthday present and I'm going to yeah. go pick my apples. That is very exciting. Yeah. Were you out there like the morning of the first freeze? Like just right out there in your jammas picking apples? Or did well, you I just got the okay? He okay. made me wait a couple freezes. Oh, so, so today's the day. Harsh. So now that it's nice, I'm like, I'm gonna pick these apples. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. They're beautiful, deep red apples. And we couldn't pick them for a while because he says if you pick them. Like you had to wait till it's the tree had to mature or something. Cause if you pick, it does something. I don't really know. So this is only my second year. I've been able to pick the apples on this tree and he planted it a long time ago. Yeah, I think you need to plant an orchard between you and the chickens. That would and be it's going to take a while to mature. So you might as well get started now. He did keep the yeah, apple tree up. So there's some privacy. So I do have at least that apple tree between me and the chickens, but yeah. For sure. We're going to let you get to your apples in just a minute. We're just going to do our cussing and discussing segment first. We've registered for an online platform called SpeakPipe where listeners can leave their cussing and discussing entries for us and we'll play them on the show. So go to speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and leave us a voice memo or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com and we will read it out for you. Katie, do you have something to cuss and discuss this week? I actually do have something nice to discuss, Arlene. Oh, good. So we got a dishwasher in March and it has been a game changer for canning because it has a sanitized setting. That was like the one thing I asked for because now I can just sanitize jars. You just chuck them in there, you sanitize them all. So we got married, it'll be 10 years in May. And when we got married, I registered for canning jars and a water bath canner and all that kind of stuff. And I was pulled everything out the other day because I had... 30 um, some quarts of apple cider to put up. And now I've got another 10 gallons of applesauce to make and four trees full of apples left. Just okay. thinking it's, I do have an apple picker. <laughs> They're named the boy child and the girl child. I have two of them. Yeah. And I have one with a pole and a little claw thing at the top. Anyway, I was thinking it's probably the only wedding gift that I use every year. And I got so much shit for registering for canning jars. Cause what kind of person registers for canning jars? I'm like, I was... 32 when we got married I had dishes didn't have canning jars and I still use them every year and it makes me happy I was just thinking it's probably the only thing that I use consistently so I feel pretty good about that, that Heather choice. what do you have to cuss and discuss oh anything anything yeah. this is just a free-for-all whatever you want can be good bad you like talking about I guess the only thing would be is I'm a Christmas tree girl and I put a Halloween tree up and my family keeps bothering me about it, saying that it's way too early. I put my first Halloween tree up. I do one every season. I usually take it down by Easter. I know that's a little ridiculous, but I change out the decorations. So my husband comes in. I put up a cute Halloween tree for the kids. And he's, what is that in my house? And I'm like, what do you mean? You know me. So I guess that would be it. The, my family just keeps making fun of me about my trees. But they take the candy off of it. So they're happy about that. But. They're not happy that I put a Halloween tree up, but. So I it say sounds like your tradition is decorating and their tradition is giving you a hard time about it. Is that yes, it there? is. Okay. Yes, good. it is. Yes, it is. And when I had went to visit my mom about a month ago, my family forgot me and I was at the airport thinking maybe they wanted to see me and I didn't talk to anybody for a little bit. I'm thinking to myself, what can I do 
to make them feel as bad as I do. So I, I put a Christmas show on and I made them all watch with me. So we watched a Christmas show a month ago. Nobody complained. That, that is perfect. I put it on and they're logical. They heard the Christmas right? music. Yeah, they heard it and they said, okay, we forgot mom. And they all came in <coughs> and we watched a Christmas show together. That is, that is awesome. I'm going to that one for the future. Yeah. Arlene, what do you have to cuss and discuss? I had one, but I've decided to change it because we're talking about traditions. So this past weekend, we're recording just after Canadian Thanksgiving. So it was our Thanksgiving weekend and my parents just bought cottage this past summer. So it's on a lake and so it's cold already. I'm in, in Canada. So yes, the water's very cold, but we, some of us had decided that it would be a good idea for, we were having Thanksgiving dinner at the cottage and we were going to start a new tradition called the final swim. So we do one last jump in the lake before it, it freezes basically. So there was no pressure. We weren't going to peer pressure people into it. So if you wanted to do it, you could. And if you didn't want to do it, that was fine. So probably about half of us decided we were going to go for the final swim and my seven-year-old he had his swim trunks on and he likes to swim with goggles so he's like mom where are the goggles so he had his goggles ready to go and he got up to about knee height and in the water and kind of screamed and ran back out and he was like this is not a tradition <laughs> so he has decided that is not going to be a tradition because it was not fun but then later we had s'mores around the fire so he's okay with that as being a new thanksgiving tradition but I thought that was a great line. This is not a tradition. <laughs> I went in. It was delightful, but not for very long. So we want to thank you so much for Heather for speaking with us today. It was great to meet you over Zoom and to chat with you about your family and about your farm. And if they aren't already following you, where can people follow you online? We are on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Just the Bells 10. That's awesome. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Heather. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash Barnyard Language to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making the show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you'd like to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We're always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.